Hello and welcome on this week's episode. Amazon's The Boys star, Anthony Starr, is apparently method acting his role as Homelander as he gets arrested in Spain for assault. Fancy a fight? <laughs> Sam Elliott has a few choice words about Jane Campion's new hit film, Power of the Dog, and takes issue with some of the representation of gay cowboys. I don't like Benedict Cumberbatch makes a muted but pointed response. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this week on Arthur's Gaming Corner, Arthur's going to tell us what the hell an Elden Ring is and explains that Hogwarts Legacy is more than just bigotry. You're a wizard, Tommy. But not a transsexual one. <laughs> For movie reviews, Arthur tells me all about The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. We get into Studio 666 by the Foo Fighters, starring specifically Dave Grohl. And I've got a confession to make. It's not very good. The movie is ever long. Ah. <laughs> And we finish up with The Batman. Arthur and I loved it. It's a little bit too long, but damn, I love me some Batman punchy punches. So Ooh. join us on... It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I gotta admit, that intro is gonna take a shit ton of editing because I am super rusty. It's been a while since we did this, and um, I've been running and gunning, and you too. How are things going? Oh uh, man, it's been crazy. Um, you know, I've been looking for a new apartment. Finally got one. I'm gonna be moving in this week with my my girl from Canada. And hooray! Uh, just uh, booked a whole bunch of new voiceover gigs, going to new studios. Uh, making nicey nicey with directors and stuff so that's been great um uh, working on some more more apparel for snoop dogg's new uh tour coming up soon. oh shit i saw that i saw that yeah so that and like teaching teaching my kids weekly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, well, i it's know been... i see some of your misadventures on instagram when you're like doing your in-studio, I'm taking a photo, but not a photo of anything that gives away anything that right? I'm allowed to say photo. <laughs> you just hit it right on the head, man. <laughs> oh, I've taken so many of those photos where you show, like, I'm not allowed to show anything, but here are a picture of my shoes. And you know I'm in a recording booth because there are fucking wires everywhere by my shoes. Yeah. Uh, I, We've all I have played to, that I game. I confess, I did get a lot of critiques on that photo. <laughs> my my, my <laughs> book, Yogi's just like, nigga, put some uh, lotion on those ankles. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but if I say it, it's racist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> What what about you, man? Well, shoot, I've just been working a lot. We're putting together a team in the studio right now, and we are doing a lot of fabrication for this year's Rise of the Jack-O-Lanterns. Oh, so yeah. I got a bunch of cool cats working on a bunch of cool stuff, and um, I'm doing some like woodworking projects in my spare time. So that's been keeping me busy. I have, oh, uh, what 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 type in particular? Well, um, I don't want to spoil it because I have a friend of mine and he does listen to the podcast on occasion, but mm -hmm. uh, he just had his first son 
And I like to make a fun little piece of furniture sometimes for friends of mine that have children, something, something cool. I, uh, I refurbed all of the furniture in my house, all the tables and bureaus and coffee tables and end tables have all been stripped down and refinished. It's just, it's just some shit I like to do. And, um, so I like to make something when my friends have kids. And so my buddy had a kid, so I'm making some shit. That's awesome. Um, oh, especially awesome. I got tickets to go see Evil Dead 2 in 35 millimeter at the Alamo Draft House tomorrow night. That's your jam. And that is my jam. I mean, you saw Rachel and I went to the museum, uh, Mystic Museum in Burbank when they were doing their Evil Dead exhibit. And they let mm-hmm. you see props and the Necronomicons and the costumes and all the shit. And mm-hmm. just, it's the best. Mm-hmm. It's the best. So. I've seen, I saw uh, Army of Darkness when I was a kid in theaters, but I've never seen the Evil Dead 2, or the Evil Dead 1 for that matter, uh, in a theater, and it's not a digital projection, it's a print, so it's going to be damn good times. I'm looking oh forward to it. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, I love the Alamo Draft House is so great for shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the food and the service and the weird movies they show, way better than the other like boutique theaters in my area which i'll get into uh when we talk about the batman because i, uh, I, I remember, had a shitty I remember, theater experience there but i remember back in the, i remember back in the day only time i'd ever ever would ever would hear about the animal draft house is through ain't it cool news <laughs> like so long ago because <laughs> uh, like it, it yep. was over there in austin yeah well now they've got them all over the country now and yeah. the one here in yonkers i've been there a bunch of times uh, i went to go see uh, Joe Bob Briggs a couple of times he hosted Scary Movie as well as Black Christmas one year and so um, he does live appearances at Alamos all across the country at least pre-COVID and I'm I'm hoping that he gets back to it once uh, things start to normalize yeah but I love the Alamo love the Alamo so we're gonna go see Evil Dead 2 and I'm gonna be that fucking guy I'm gonna wear the t-shirt I don't care of course and uh <laughs> Well, my sister said she goes, you're going to wear your Evil Dead t-shirt when you go. I was like, of course. She's like, is that kind of like wearing the t-shirt of the band that you're going to see? And I was like, it mm-hmm. is a little bit, but I'm doing it anyway. So, yeah, so that's good fun. And um, catching up on some television, I watched We're All Dead Here, uh, which was the new Korean zombie business. Okay, It was fine. Uh, it had some interesting points to it. It was a little bit long. Um, nothing too crazy. If you like zombie stuff, I'm a little burned out on zombie stuff, but it definitely did some inventive things towards the end. The first episode's an absolute slog. If you can make it to the first episode, you can watch the whole series, but it's a lot of characters and they whittle them down and it was okay. It was okay. okay. I mean, like I said, I'm a little burned out on zombies. Um, and then I also caught a little bit of The Boys, Diabolical, the first two episodes of the new cartoon miniseries. Yeah, animation. Yeah, yeah. They're cute. They're stylish. They're interesting. I mean, but um, I can't wait to watch the rest of them. Uh, apparently, Anthony Starr did voice Homelander for his episodes of this uh, between, you know, getting arrested and getting out of jail in Spain. <laughs> That's my segue. It's my segue to Anthony Starr. Um, you and I talked about this briefly uh, uh, before the before the episode, but you know it is kind of interesting the old saying that when the penalty for committing a crime is a fine, it's only legal for the poor. Mm-hmm. And what do you think a year of a man's life is worth? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you theoretically. 
if I were to say, I need, I need you to stay locked in a jail cell for a year. And you're like, I, I don't want to be locked in a jail cell for a year. And you're racist for saying that. Um, how much money can I pay you to get out of this jail cell? It seems like it'd be like the, the wage of a year. Right? So yeah, maybe, like, you like know. Seven, like 65 grand. Well, apparently in Spain, if you get sentenced to a year in prison for punching some rando in the face and smashing a a bottle over his head, it's about (laughs) $7,855. So Anthony Starr is shooting in Spain. And he goes to a club after shooting for the day, and he proceeds to get embarrassingly drunk. To the point of bouncers and different staff and people are asking him to, you know, calm his tits a little bit. That he's, he's, he's way too drunk and he needs to settle down. Another bar patron expresses to him that he's had too much to drink and he's making a fool of himself. Anthony Starr promptly punches this guy in the face twice and then breaks a bottle over his head. He's living through Homelander a little bit too much, bro. <laughs> he's method acting that Homelander shit. Mm. Well, it's funny because like... The shit, they had witnesses there, and they all tell the same tale. As he's beating the shit out of this guy, he's screaming, you don't know who I am, you don't know who I am, you've made the mistake of your life, I'm going to look for you, I will find you, I will kill you. Yep. End quote. End fucking quote. Typical fashion. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he went full taken, like... Like you never go full <laughs> Liam Neeses on you. <laughs> I mean, he should have just yelled out as he was smashing that. I have a particular set of skills, and that skills is being an asshole on mm-hmm. camera and off, apparently. Oh yeah. So he gets arrested. Now here's the beauty of the system, though. In Spain, uh, he gets arrested, arraigned, tried, and convicted in four days. <laughs> He is trying to waste. No time to waste, baby. And in America, that would be four years. They're just now getting around to sentencing people who did crazy shit before Corona. Like it would be years. He is arrested, charged, tried, and convicted in four fucking days. And his conviction stands at one year in prison or two years of probation and a $7,855 fine that is payable within 48 hours. Yeah, you don't have the do, money in 48 hours, you go to jail for a year. Places. They do jail different in a lot of other places. <laughs> but it just feels so cor- blatantly corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like that law seems to say poor people don't punch anybody. Don't you punch nobody if you're poor. You can't come up with 8,000 American in 48 hours. You are not allowed to hit anyone. But if you have a good job and you get into a disagreement with somebody and you got eight grand you're looking to burn, slug him in the <laughs> face and bust him in the head with a bottle. And you're golden. You're good. Why not? It's like guys in Maserati is in New York City who burn parking tickets. It's like it's that's just a parking fee. Mm-hmm. That's not a parking ticket. Um, so I thought that that was a little bit insane. So they are taking a little bit of blowback, but being as this is kind of his character, I mean, I don't know if this hurts him, helps him, or if in a month nobody will care. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be forgotten. Clearly, that's true. I mean, and yeah. honestly, it's it's just a a big a nice buzz for the boys. 
You know, Homelander's That's punching and, somebody. And, <laughs> that's what i'm saying work it into the ad campaign work it into the ad campaign oh, yeah. you have somebody who is their character he's like boy he knows how homelander feels doesn't he <laughs> um another dude who seems to speak for a whole generation of these characters is sam elliott and cowboys i mean some would say sam elliott is america's last cowboy i you know? am i am <laughs> after you so many curse word cuss words dude <laughs> It's Sam Elliott is a living legend, of course. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's almost beyond reproach. But in this instance, he was on a podcast with Mark Marin, and Mark Marin asked him what he thought about uh, Power of the Dog, which is running basically. It's in the running for every major Oscar category. It's won most of the statistical precursors to an Oscar win. It's a juggernaut. And after The Piano, probably Jane Campion's most successful film of her lifetime now. Mm -hmm. And it is a cowboy movie that just uses the Old West as a kind of setting. And um, Sam Elliott took a lot of exception to this movie. He said, quote, you want to talk about that piece of shit? She's a brilliant director, but what does a woman from New Zealand know about the American West? They're all running around in chaps and no shirts. There are allusions to homosexuality throughout the entire movie. Ranching is not a man's work. It's a family's work. I don't get it. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) And yeah, they're running around with no shirts with allusions to homosexuality. Um, The director of Brokeback Mountain, which is, look, I don't want to lump all gay cowboy movies together, but if we're drawing (laughs) parallels, for fuck's sake, it's right there. She was a consultant on the movie, so it's, I'm not making this up. This is how it is. So it's a gay cowboy movie. Uh, And as South Park might say, a gay cowboy movie with people eating pudding. uh, On the topic of uh, Jane Campion, did you see what she said to Venus and Serena Williams? No, what did Jane Campion say? It was really annoying. (laughs) She... Like she, uh, she got there and won- she was up there and won an award. I forgot which uh, um, award show it was, but you know she she chose to speak out to Serena and Venus, who who were just like the subject of a movie, <laughs> and but she was she was telling them, um, you know, you know, you know, you know Venus and Serena, you guys, um, you know, you know, good on you for getting to where you've been, but um. You know, you don't have to play against men like 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 what I have to do. And it's just like a really you hear the hush in the audience. It's just like, ooh, that's weird. Why why are you singling <laughs> them out? Like that that's that's where you're going with that? <sighs> Bad choice. Oh my God. That crap was so Wow, strange. I'm gonna have to look that up now. Because Jane Campion's usually better than that. I mean, maybe she was drunk. From what I've heard, Jane Campion likes to party, never on set, but when it's time to party, Jane Campion loves to drink and she loves to dance. So um, maybe she was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have absolutely nothing to back that up. Yeah, you, you have to look up the quote for yourself. I'll have to look that up, but that's, that's weird when you're accepting the award for the movie that did win. And, there, you know, of course, she's in contention with a lot of stuff uh, related to King Richard and to yeah. single them out and to specifically say, well, you did great, but you don't have to play against men. I have to play against men. Uh, yeah. Well, 
true but strange and irrelevant. Okay, Jane, yeah. you do you, Jane. I guess. Yeah, that's a little bit strange. It's but- very, very dismissive, and 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 kind of spoke of like so like so much privilege. You know, it's really, really like you know, really whack to see that. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, to his credit, Benedict Cumberbatch responded that uh, it's not a history lesson; it's a movie. <laughs> so, like, like, cause, cause, Sam Elliott expounds and says, you know, we always see him wearing chaps, but you never see him get off his horse, and you would never wear this here, and like, had lots of trouble with the with the costuming of this movie. Uh, ha- has there been like, enough cowboy movies? Get, get off your freaking high horse. Pun, pun intended, Jesse. <laughs> and basically, Benedict Cumberbatch says, look, we were telling a story about a non-heteronormative experience, and we set it in a prototypically heteronormative setting to argue that cowboys and the Old West are not a heteronormative symbol of masculinity would be stupid. Of course they are. Of course they are. You know, uh, uh, the Duke himself is the manliest man that ever manned, despite the fact that his given name was Marion, mm-hmm. you know? And so it is a prototypically masculine genre, and that's why you juxtapose, you juxtapose this condition over that masculinity for effect. Sam Elliott's looking for a history lesson. This movie ain't it. And so that was basically Benedict Cumberbatch's response. But it's it's very funny that, you know, even 10, 20 years later, we're still arguing about gay cowboy movies. Just, yeah. just watch the gay cowboy movie. It's good fun. It's an amazing yeah. movie. It's going to win all the Oscars. Ease up, Sam Elliott. It's not a history lesson. I mean, for, for it to be so irksome, you know, like Sam is just having a personal problem. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Sam's just tired of watching gay cowboys. I'm yeah, tired. He's, he's having some internal issue for him to come, like, come, come down publicly on something. Like I think Mark Maron is asking the question about the most popular movie because he's thinking, "Wow, Sam Elliott would be into this. A western is going to win Best Picture or Best Director or something." And Sam Elliott was not with it. Yeah. Um, but he don't know. I guess he just don't know about New Zealand filmmaking. And you know what? I don't know anything about is fucking video games. I'm sitting here in my living room right now, staring down a PlayStation 2 uh, and a Raspberry <laughs> Pi, which runs a series of emulators that I'm quite Sweet. proud of, as a matter of fact. But all that being said, it means I know fuck all shit about video games. But what I do know is that everybody is losing their freaking minds over Elden Ring. Rachel looked over at me. She was like, what the hell is Elden Ring? And like, how could it possibly be this popular? Is this game really like the new it game? Is it what platform is it on? School me on this Elden Ring because I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't know what the hell this thing is. I'm showing my age. What is this shit? Arthur's video game corner. Corner. Elden Ring. Elden Ring is this fantastic fantasy roguelike game that's been brought about. Um, with the aid of George R. R. Martin. And uh, it's, a, it's this like wildly expansive game where you get to make up your character as, and, you know, in that way it has like a lot of RPG uh, uh, facets to the game. 
and you're you're presented this world where you get to do a lot of dungeon crawling and finding you know finding and looting and 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 pillaging for like all these items and and weapons and it's it's just like this just fascinating time um and but with it being a roguelike game and very much in the in the uh ways of like the demon souls games and, and games that came before it it can be very 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 difficult <laughs> and um these these games and so are, it's an exceptionally difficult game yes these games these roguelike games it came into major prominence in the modern era with the demon souls games it's like these okay. it's these games where you will progress and progress and then something will kill you and take all of your progress will take all of your things and you only have usually one chance to get it all back and if you don't get it back it's gone for good so there's <laughs> no saving you can't save so um some games won't allow you to save or or there'll be one point where you can save you know um and some some games you have to start off right from the beginning every time you die like fucking battle toads <laughs> Yo, that is going back in the day. <laughs> I mean, hi, fellow kids. <laughs> Where's that from? It's a meme. It's a. It's just a. It's a fucking meme. I'm sorry. I'm a <laughs> goddamn joke. <laughs> but yeah, you, but so you were saying. Yeah, so um, that's kind of the big deal about the game. Like, I mean, first of all, anytime we get one of these, like just just a just a sniff of these kind of like modern triple a games so everyone's super excited about it you know and this mm. one it his i think it broke records for like re- reviews <laughs> like how 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 great and that's because is. of uh martin's writing is that largely attributed to well it's, it's all of it is just writing in it well first of all it's just it's just a new game the graphics look insane character designs look crazy there's like just the fan the fantasy landscape of it all it's just it's just it just feels new and fresh you know, it's just not, it's not generic in any, any way like that, you know, that you, that you would see a lot. We get a lot of generic games that come out, you know, and it's usually the AAA games. They take the longest and they spend a lot of time working on them and we get maybe what three a year while everything mm-hmm. else is just mid to, you know, mid to C level like gaming. You know, but this or, is like the biggest release in some time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What What are the platforms? Where are people playing this game? Probably PC. Uh, I believe it's mm. on Xbox as well. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many things coming out about this game. So just recently, uh, somebody discovered, <laughs> like, there's, there's, for instance, when you're, when you're looking um, and crawling through some of these caves and dungeons and things, there, there might be these walls that you can hit to see what's behind them. And mm-hmm. some guy discovered a wall that you had to specifically hit 50 times. <laughs> and that guy really needs a partner, a boyfriend, <laughs> a girlfriend, somebody to love them. Because the only way you discover that is if you go from wall panel to wall panel, hitting every single one like a hundred times. And he got lucky on that one because on the 50th hit, it finally broke. 
But oh, yeah. now he's going to go back and have to check them all again, hitting them two, three, four hundred times. Won't somebody just love this guy? <laughs> just hug him and tell him to put the keyboard away and that he's okay and he's good enough just as he is and that his legacy in this world is not having found some random fake hole in a fake <laughs> wall. Because <laughs> as of right now, that's officially the coolest thing this guy's ever done in his life is figure that out. And... <laughs> I just wish better for him. I don't know. Oh, bruh. Uh, I, I, I think he's pretty ha- happy with it, what he what he's found. Is oh, I know it. that he is, and that's <laughs> why I'm worried. You see? <laughs> I have no doubt at all the degree of satisfaction that person is feeling. Man, woman, child, whoever they happen to be, every single day, they are so stoked to be them right now. And I'm, mm-hmm. I just want better for you, bro. Mm-mm. Yeah. Or hey, you go do you. Who the fuck am I to judge? What, right. What's important to me? Right. I mean, I, I, I can't talk. I can't talk. You're right. <laughs> now, what about this other game, Hogwarts Legacy? Is that going to be the next Elden Ring? Is that? Do you think that's going to be as big? Is that as hotly anticipated? It's it's well, I mean, it's a Harry Potter property. <laughs> it's a Hogwarts property. You know, like man, people- I'm not a Potterhead. I got to be honest. I don't know it. Which is even worse because I went to the the Warner Brothers exhibit and I saw all the Harry Potter shit at the museum and I was like, this is all right. And there are any number of fucking fan heads living in the flyover states. We would like cut off their hand to go see all that crap. And I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yo, when do we get to see the Batmobile? Uh, That was the best. But there I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hagrid's cloak. Harry's wand. Who gives a fuck? But, <laughs> but you're you're looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy because you're oh, a yeah. Potterhead. What, what, uh, what house do you belong to, Arthur? I'm Ravenclaw, bitch. No, you're not. You're a fucking person, okay? That is not real. You are not Ravenclaw. You're not. I'm so Hufflepuff. You're so not, okay? I'm Those like are fictional a things bitch. created by a very real bigot. Okay. <laughs> oh, she assigned man. you to a house that you wouldn't like the name of the house she'd put you in. <laughs> I can't say that. She's not racist. She's just uh she's got other problems, but racism yeah. doesn't seem to be the predominant one. Mm-mm-mm. But all right, so anyway, enough about JK Rowling. What about this game? Oh, well, like I mean this this game has been hotly anticipated. Um, at one point, we had a big, huge disappointment within the last year and a half because there was talks that it, they might not continue work on it. So we, all we had to go on was this really lush trailer out of all the other trailers that um, came out when the PS5 was being teased over two years ago at this point. Right. Um, so, yeah, so um, we've just been waiting and waiting, and finally they actually showed us gameplay within the last uh, several days, and it just looks fantastic now i've been i've just been completely living in the harry potter world because i've been reading all of the books with my girlfriend we just finished um order the phoenix tonight (laughs) no it took us two months man oh my god those last couple of chapters oh boy uh we can't wait to start my uh, sister has read them all uh but rachel and i largely uh the potter verse slipped us by mm mm-hmm Oh, I, I got to read uh, to your sister, see what she thinks of my voices. <laughs> <laughs> don't you go reading shit to my sister. You got a lady. You knock it off. You don't call my fucking sister ever. Not ever. 
You already left a very charming illustration of her the last time you stayed at my home. I don't know what that's all about. There was one of me too, yes. But really, I know. I know. You just you call your own sister. Tell your yeah. mister to leave mine out of this. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right. You're not huffling anyone's puff over at my house. Even. Oh Lord! But it's looking well, to be good. Uh, what platforms is this game going to be out on? Probably all of them again. I mean, it's, all it's, them again. it's hard to have an exclusive these days. You know, these these game companies are trying to make money. You know what I mean? True, true. Uh, and for this it, game, it, are you a rando kid learning magic, or yeah, are so you this, one of the characters? So this from takes the game? place in the 1800s. So it's hog it's Hogwarts in the 1800s. Okay. And you, you get to create you get to create your character, go to school, like and learn stuff and and um and then deal deal with the world outside of the Hogwarts grounds that's just filled with all sorts of like um uh stories about goblins rebellions and and um you know s- stuff that Merlin designed. Like you like it, like there's like little puzzles that Merlin designed that you might be able to find. Cause uh the the, the canon is that Merlin went to Hogwarts as well. I don't know about all that. That feels a little, a little uh, mixy to me. I mean, I know that Merlin is uh, is a license free character. Don't get all Sam Elliott on me, bro. <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not the Merlin I know. He's off running around doing gay wizard stuff with Dumbledore. When is he ever going to get Excalibur off to Arthur? Does Arthur go to Hogwarts now too? And that's right. The lady of the lake is just moaning Myrtle sentenced oh. to the backyard. What the fuck? That's the one. That's the one I saw in the movie was there was some dead chick in the bathroom crying yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just like how you're stringing all of the author, authorian legend with the Hogwarts legend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. They're the ones who said fucking Merlin went to Hogwarts. They mm-hmm. did it first. <laughs> Bottom line, it looks fantastic. It's coming out holiday season. I can't wait. Uh before we move on, um, there's a you know, they did release the trailer for uh Miss Marvel. Oh yes, and there is I did see it. Yep, I did see it. Oh man, I don't know what to say about it. I don't. I don't like it, but I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I think that's I mean, the best way to say it. Well, I mean, I, I I want to see the show. I mean, it's it's not deterring me from it. I I no. I wish that they did keep her original powers. You know, I, I know that they want to save. I, for some reason, they want to save that power for Mr. Fantastic. Like, that power is supposed to be so fantastic. <laughs> wah, wah. It's amazingly expensive to render the stretchy power at compared to energy blast. Shit, man. Any fool with a halfway decent PC and Adobe After Effects can get a few laser blasts going. Um, but to have limbs and body parts realistically stretch and shape and distend and warp is very expensive, especially for a television show. Nonetheless, a fucking movie. So I get it and i try not to be too much of a comic purist because i don't mind a venom movie without spider-man so i gotta make sure i'm not being a fucking hypocrite here 
I feel, but, but I um, feel, I feel like these powers change your character because, yeah, because the thing is, I feel like there's a bunch of things that this character is going through as far as the, from the transition from Paige to Celluloid because, um, well, should, should I even say Celluloid? Like it's, it's all digital anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there was an awkwardness to those powers and accepting those powers, you know. Versus, like, right, immediately, right. Oh, I make these pretty colors come from my hand. You have, like, the cool powers. Yeah. yeah. There's no body horror. There's no resolving, changing who you are. Mm. Your your powers are gorgeous. So. Yeah, it's really pretty. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, and there is something about that that does fundamentally change the development of the character. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, I hate this. But it's just like, oh, I understand why they're doing it. Um, yeah. Yep. I'm taking a wait-and-see approach as well. You give me a good story. You give me likable characters. You give me fun and a plot. Make it good. All right, so you change some shit. So right off the bat, you're starting with strike one. You're going into episode zero with strike one. Wow me. Why not? Wow me. Mm-hmm. And if they can wow me, and, and then maybe I just don't care that they did that by the end of the series. And I'm hoping we're sitting here you know, a few months from now saying, Psh, I don't care. It was great. I love those characters. It was heartwarming. It was awesome. It was action-packed. Whatever it t- turns out to be, make it good. If you make it good, we'll forgive almost anything. Uh, quick review of Lost City featuring oh, yeah. Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. It was, it was a good ride. You know, like those two have great chemistry together. Channing Tatum has been doing a he's been doing a lot of great comedy work ever since 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm, uh, I don't mm-hmm. I don't remember anything before that where he was really as funny. Was there anything else? Channing Tatum before uh 21 Jump Street. Was it was, was it funny? This is the end. Was this is the end? This is like the his, end. He is was that funny. his first he like kind of comedy thing? Was that before 21 Jump Street? No, that was after. Oh, okay. That was after 21 Jump Street. I'm not sure. I mean, I know. I'm, you know, look, I'm Magic Mike. Uh, I'm sure I had funny parts. Oh, I, I don't I'm think not I was as well versed. Comedy. I'm not well versed in the Channing Tatum universe. I know he's got another hit movie out right now, Dog. Which, <laughs> Dog. Oh, man, that, yo, please. I can't imagine how well that movie's doing out in the Midwest right now. That is some fucking America porn if I oh, ever yeah. saw fucking Patriot porn, mm-hmm. you know? It's my partner's Doug, and... He dead in the war, and I gotta get this dog to some place, and I don't like this dog. And then I'm gonna get there, and then I'm gonna like this dog. And this dog's <laughs> gonna teach me about myself. I thought I was training the dog, and the dog trained me. <laughs> it sounds like you get it. Is that it? It sounds like you're talking about a whole, whole different movie. Hey, have you not seen the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking no. I haven't seen the fucking trailer. What is this movie about? I just see a guy in like in in drab green look holding a German shepherd. I assume this is some war dog movie. What the fuck is this movie about? It's I mean it's it's funny you had me talk about this movie I haven't seen, but just based off of the trailer, <laughs> uh based off the trailer, it's more lighthearted fair. It's like him just kind of like like learning to deal with the dog and he's bringing the dog back to um I think a relative because the owner might have died, something like that. Um, oh, I was so close without even having fucking seen it. I'm halfway yeah, but, there. But you had this like paramilitary <laughs> sort of bent to it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. 
It's more lighthearted. It's 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 act, the trailer's actually pretty funny, and it it kind of yeah. has like this sort of like comedic banter that he actually has in uh, the Lost City too. But you know, like so in, Lost in this, City's selling the banter. Well, uh, just 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 quick quickly on the plot of the Lost City. Sure. Uh, Sandra Bullock she plays uh, a a popular, um, uh, romantic like romantic action novelist, and uh, Channing Tatum plays the guy that poses as the model for the character in her book. And, but he always gets more attention than she does. And she feels like she's writing schlock anyway. Um, uh, For her to be the writer that she has, like she does have experience, like with uh, understanding specific, like like dead, like dead languages and stuff. And that leads uh, Daniel Radcliffe's villain to kidnap her so he can um, use her to, try to find a, a treasure. So um, with the aid of Brad Pitt, <laughs> they go go off and try to rescue her, and it becomes kind of like a, like romancing the stone fair. It's, uh, it's really, really funny. <laughs> What's that No, reaction? I just laughed that, like, he's playing Fabio, basically. Yeah, it's pretty That's it's like pretty the story great. of Fabio, that Fabio did the covers for all the different like Harlequin romance novels in the 80s, and then he ended up getting ultimately more famous than any of the authors. <laughs> there you so go. it's kind of funny that, you know, he's basically playing Fabio. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good thing he, but, didn't, um, good no, thing he wasn't I mean, on a roller coaster and ran into a seagull. Oh, that was too much. <laughs> Sometimes life imitates art. But look, Sandra Bullock... You know, as as Key and Peele would say, Sandra Bullock sees, you know, you, she's beyond reproach. She's great. She's charming. Yeah. We love her. We even forgive, you know, uh, Speed 2 because we love her. And Channing Tatum cruise control. is dumb character. Cruise. I can't. So I could see how those two would, would be very charismatic. They're both fine actors. And I'm sure if it's like romancing the stone, it's look, it's the return of the romantic comedy. It's romantic comedy is kind of a genre these days where we don't get them like we used to. We used to get them fast and furious back in the day. (laughs) And now not so much. Yeah. Um, But they're good at what they do. So I'm, I'm sure the movie, I'm sure the movie was fun. I'm not going to go see it. So good for you. Marvel was just killing like the movie industry when it came down to it. Like no one wanted to watch any, you know, property that they didn't recognize and or if mm-hmm. it's something that they could easily just watch at home, you know. So um, uh, with us getting to spend a, a good amount of time in indoors, like we're, we're ready, we're, you know, and able to, you know, check out some more stuff in the theater now, I believe. So. Well, yeah. you went to the theater and saw the Foo Fighters movie, which is a phrase I never thought I'd say. <laughs> Studio 666. Now, I saw this in my home because I was not going to the theater for this damn movie. I went to the theater for the Batman. You got me. I did it. I still don't like it, but I went. But for Studio <laughs> 666, I stayed home. And I would say that I probably got the better end of that deal. You did. You did, sir. You did, you know, but I'm I'm a, I'm a mighty foo soldier, man. So, uh, I I almost missed the chance to see it in the movie theater because they were, they you know no one was seeing it. And when I definitely when I went there, it was only me, my girlfriend, and one other guy sitting five five feet away from us. You know, and that guy was Nate Mendel, the bassist in the band. He was just trying to boost the sales that weekend. He had nothing to do. He was in L.A. He was like, I'm gonna go see this movie again. 
and um, it's it's not good. Um, well, let's set it up. Way of saying, let's set it up. All right, so, so set it up. You want to set it up? Yeah, you I'll want set to set it. it up. I'll you set it up. up. All right. All right. So, so, um, so basically, what we have is uh, a horror movie that's starring a rock and roll band. So, like when I saw that, I was just like, "Oh, that's refreshing!" Like you don't really get to see that. So, um, and the trailer made it seem like the guys were were gonna do okay at acting, you know? <laughs> yeah, it definitely did curate some of their best bits. Yeah. So, so the the premise of the show uh, of the of the movie is the the band is kind of dwapling on their tenth album. We got Jeff Garland, that's their record producer, uh, coming coming across like a blowhard, like he does like in everything he, that he is on, and uh. Uh, basically, they they need an interesting place to to do their their album, and you know, like you know, like you know, they even bring up how Trent Reznor like was in a haunted house twenty years ago to record one of his albums, and how how other like you know epic bands have kind of done the same. So basically, he sets them up with basically a haunted uh a place to do their record, and uh David Grohl slowly becomes possessed and starts uh like stalking the band so that's basically the, the premise of the movie mm-hmm. um so when it comes down to me like like these are good things about the movie david girl he's always been a charismatic guy he's actually kind of kind of like had talents that lent lent its way to like you know being a good performer you know like going all the way back to the tenacious d uh, music video when he played the devil. <laughs> oh, he's the devil himself. He's fucking Satan. Oh, heck yeah. And just all the music videos he's done, he's always been hilarious. <laughs> Going all the way back mm-hmm. to like the, to the first one. Um, yeah, the Mentos, the Mentos. commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big me. That's right. Oh, That's my right. God. I, I love, I mean, I love this band, man. I love this. I love, I love this band from the beginning. So like, like any sort of kind of a project that they do i want to support it i want to see what's going on you know um but uh the, the thing is with with him being the only one that's capable of like stringing any words together that makes for a very 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 boring movie and just a movie that's not effective i mean there's horror movies about all about high stakes you know bridging bridging melodrama you know, and um, like every, it's very heightened. It has to be very heightened for for it to really work. You know, right, right. And to have a bunch of crusty old band members, you know, for one thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like then then on top of that, like none of them can really act. It's just you don't care. Like even if there's good gore, you don't care what's happening. You know, and then like. Groaner after groaner, every like wrong line <laughs> delivery after wrong line delivery, it just takes you out of the movie, you know. I do have to say, I love Pat Schmier, even even though he was bad, I still loved everything he said. <laughs> well, he's charming and he's goofy, but we were talking before, and I said he should have just looked straight into the camera and waved because yeah. every freaking line delivery looks like him. Fighting with every fiber of his being not to laugh. Yeah. Like he's trying so hard in every scene not to laugh. And mm-hmm. he's just got this giant weird smile on his face. And it helps that he has kind of a weird face. 
So <laughs> it, it comes off as 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 endearing and charming and of course he's the butt of all the jokes they make him sleep in the kitchen he doesn't get a real room and you know it's the place looks destroyed like it's been tossed they've been attacked by demons but it's really just how pat keeps it like it's cute it's cute i was my feeling on this is that it's it's somebody with a bunch of money making a movie where they just get to have silly fun and play tons of, uh, uh, you know, homages to the nineties, to their particular musical genre, and also to all the movies start off with the fact that the theme, the main theme is composed by John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. And Carpenter has a cameo in the movie as their recording engineer. So, Yeah, yeah, that was that was fucking Carpenter. Um, and so he, he there are things in this movie to enjoy. And largely, you know, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, uh, Arthur is the hypercritical one when it comes to filmmaking. And I'm usually the I like to like things, guys. Um, but um, maybe not in this instance. It's yeah. it's a tough watch at times. It's an hour and 42 minutes, which is too much. Um, my feeling who my feeling on this is if this were 48 minutes of like tales from the dark side or studio or a dimension 404 or, you know, any of those creeps show, this would be your favorite tales from the dark side episode ever. Like they should edit this fucking thing down, get rid of Whitney Cummings as the neighbor who constantly makes me think she's flow from the progressive commercials. And every time I see her, I'm like, fucking flow is here, but it's not her. That's a different lady. And Oh my God. The keyboardist, his, all of his scenes it, with is, Whitney. Yeesh. Oh my God. I mean, it, is it racist to say these white ladies all look alike to me? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I can, can say that, it. but you can't. That's right. You <laughs> I'm going to say it. These white ladies all look alike. The, the fucking realtor and the lady in the fence, Whitney Cummings, and Flo from Progressive. They all look the same. <laughs> and the keyboardist does ultimately get to nail the neighbor who looks like Flo. That's awkward as hell, bro. Yeah, it's, it's awkward. The whole thing, all of it's awkward. But there's some fun to be had. This movie mm-hmm. is it's not Casablanca for sure. I I feel you. I mean, like I said, Dave Dave, he's funny maybe for forty percent of the movie, you know. But like the, he doesn't have anything to bounce off of. Like he doesn't have anybody to bounce off of. Then just so much dead air. Yeah, so much dead air. It's like someone. It's like someone didn't know how to direct. Someone didn't know how to edit. It is kind of fucked up that there's. There's nine people in this movie and six of them aren't actors. Like that's going to be a hard day shooting, no matter how you slice it. Dude, it was so weird when they went to Will Forte. It felt like a real movie. Like yeah, when, it, yeah, when it was just Will Forte in the car by himself. It's like, oh, wow, it's a real movie again. <laughs> it's we- it is kind of weird how even if they're just sitting there, they don't look right. Yeah. It's strange. They don't know what to do with themselves. Like, there's no blocking. They're always just standing there. They're not doing anything. No one has anything that they're doing, or they're all just standing there listening to Dave. <laughs> like, the whole yep, movie. Yep. There are so many scenes of them just like out in the parking lot or whatever that little patch of asphalt is just talking. Yeah. 
It's odd. It's odd. I'll I, give I it bet, to you. I bet Kevin Smith loves this movie. <laughs> I bet he, oh, this movie is still better than Yoga Hosers. Uh, I like Yoga Hosers for its own reasons, but I mm-hmm. like Yoga Hosers. But this movie, if you're a hardcore Foo fan and you like seeing Dave Grohl do Dave Grohl shit, you know, watch the movie. You're going to have a good time with it. Or, or get a bunch of your other friends from the 90s. If you're over the age of 40, there's going to be all kinds of the fucking Pearl Jam references and the album cover references. And, you know, all of that stuff is in there. There's lots of little bits like that to find. It's, it's okay. But definitely have a few drinks first. Don't try to go into this movie sober. And, and don't listen to the dialogue beat by beat. Because it just, it's stilted and weird at times. Go watch Dave freak out. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this movie is worth, right? Um, I I mean, I can't in good conscience tell people to see it. If you're a super <laughs> if you're if you're a super fan of Foo Fighters, it's this is a novelty, novelty, novelty film. You know? I just I yeah. wish it could have been good. There's no reason why it couldn't have been good. I just that that would have been great if this could have been like a classic horror movie. Yeah. It's not unwatchable. It's just that you have to go into it looking for camp. It's a time capsule piece. It's a piece that when people start talking about the Foo Fighters 40 years from now, this will be one of those things. It's like the monkey's head, you know, where it's like, it's not good, but it's weird. And <laughs> if you like that band, go watch that thing. It's strange as hell. And Oh, Jack Nicholson's in it. And oh, Will Forte's in Studio 666. That's all it's for. And so mm-hmm. it's a time capsule for these guys. They they have a bunch of money. They have the friends to do it. They have the skill to do it. And they made a movie. And you know what? It's better than the movie I've never made. So yeah. okay. if you love the Foo Fighters, you'll enjoy this movie. If you don't absolutely love Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, you should probably skip this one. Yeah. Fair? Fair. Don't watch it just because you're like, oh, I heard there's a new horror movie called Studio 666. Do not do that. Yeah, I, I had to apologize to Fatma when the credits rolled, man. <laughs> if you want the good version of this movie, go watch Deathgasm. Deathgasm is basically the same movie. It's about a pair of New Zealand teens who are in a death metal band, and they find uh, an ancient scroll of the damned, and it has music, and they decipher the music, and when... They play the music, it calls a demon forward, and the demon possesses them to try and kill each other. And it's the same damn movie, but it's good. It's damn good. It's a really good movie. You can find it on Shudder or most streaming services, but specifically, I know it's still on Shudder. It's called Deathgasm. If you, if you, if you hated Studio 666, go watch Deathgasm. It's the good version of it. With actors who can act. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. Yeah. Now, you know what else we got the good version of? We got a damn good version of The Batman. Batman! This is it, folks. As my my software counts off exactly one hour since Arthur and I began talking, which will be significantly less for you folks, you're lucky, we have reached The Batman. (laughs) The Batman. And much like this episode, it's long. (laughs) Oh, it's long. It's so long. I like this movie a lot, but you should really just cut the last 20 minutes off. Please cut the last 20. Oh, spoilers. Are we going to, we're going to spoil this. We spoil everything. 
Yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's completely fair. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I honestly think it should have cuts throughout the whole thing. Um, but uh, uh here's 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 my positives though. Like, this is like the first graphic novel Batman that we've got. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before we get into it, let me do the rundown. This is the Batman as directed and written by Matt Reeves with composer Michael Giacchino. That's going to come into play later. We have Robert Pattinson starring as the titular Bruce Wayne slash Batman. He is early on in his Batmaning career. It's year two specifically. He is friends with uh, Commissioner Gordon, and he has been fighting crime. They've got the bat signal, all that stuff, but he's still pretty new to the whole thing. As it turns out, Somebody is knocking off politicians, public figures, and people that they deem to be unsavory in general. Batman joins forces with the police, encounters a young, shall we say, cat burglar, Zoe Kravitz, whatever. She is Catwoman, and she is fun, and we enjoy her. He then has to go shake down Colin Farrell as the Penguin with his good friend Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon in the search for Paul Dano's Riddler. Riddler is loosely based or not so loosely based. If you watch it on the Zodiac killer, he's got that weird sort of gimp mask with the glasses on the outside. He seems a little off his rocker, which is pretty, pretty much the score for Riddler. Whenever we get him, he is killing people and leaving clues for Batman. Batman uh, is also concerned with John Turturro's Carmine Falcone, who is recently out of jail and back on the street, and presumably involved in this thing in some way. Andy Serkis plays Alfred, who is uh, Batman's butler and also Mm -hmm. confidant, and we get that this is a somewhat tumultuous time in their relationship. And that's an interesting dynamic, because normally in every Batman movie we've ever seen, Alfred and Batman slash Bruce Wayne are perfectly simpatico. In this movie, maybe not so much all the time. And so Batman goes through the process of figuring out who the Riddler is or where he is and how to stop him before he kills his final victim, bum, 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 Bruce Wayne. Then we find out that Bruce Wayne is not his final victim and that actually a bunch of copycat killers are going to massacre uh, what is Gotham's version of Madison Square Garden full of people escaping some flood that he has rigged to flood Gotham City. And Batman decides he should no longer be a symbol of violence and vengeance. Instead, he's going to be a symbol of hope. And they stop the minions and capture the Riddler. And hooray, Batman is learning to Batman. And then we move on. Is that about it? That's about it. Bingo. There it is. So now you've seen the Batman. You can save yourself three hours. Congratulations. I mean, but no, there's a lot going on in this. There's a lot of, of course, great things, of man. It's, 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 first of all, Matt Reeves, we, just, we can just give him a standing ovation because he just has not made one bad thing since he's been making movies. He's just always just making really great things. Uh, you can imagine, because I, I, what I, from what I've heard, he's a huge Batman guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting his hands on something like this, finally, because there were delays and all sorts of stuff, you can imagine that he's like just luxuriating every day on that set. So it's, it's not a wonder why the movie's so long. You know, all, all, of oh, those, yeah. all of oh, those yeah. slow takes of Batman slowly lifting his head up to look at somebody. 
<laughs> so much slow mo, but you know, but the fuzzy cam in this is not full Snyder fuzzy cam. There's a lot of fuzzy cam, but you know what I like about it? It's fuzzy cam with purpose. Mm. It's like somebody gets hit in the head. And then as they come to, we see the world through their eyes and we get fuzzy cam and then everything sharpens up as they sort of get their wits about them. That's effective fuzzy cam. Fuzzy cam for the sake of fuzzy cam, I don't understand. Zack mm. Snyder called me, we'll talk about it. But <laughs> this is really effective. And all of the cinematography on this movie, the the yes, it's very dark. And it does continue the trend of very, very dimly lit DC superhero movies. But at least it finally fits the movie. Oh, yeah. It fits the movie because this is a noir crime drama. Oh, heck yeah. Batman is in a 30s noir novel. They are solving riddles. They are solving crimes and clues. And everything they learn moves them on to another person getting closer and closer and closer to the truth. It's, got, it's classic noir. You got a lot of cats. <laughs> I love that line for him. <laughs> and we would be remiss to say, to not mention that every single cop or crook in this movie sounds like a New York stereotype. I have to say as a New Yorker that this is why people around the world think we sound like this shit. Because Jeffrey Wright is an amazing voice actor and there's no surprise why you go and get him for this because like you get so many lines that, where you they're shooting him from behind, but he's talking to give a sort of level of indignance to it. It was like Martinez, he's with me. <laughs> you gonna let this freak through, Chief? Yeah, I am, Martinez. That is with me. It's like Jesus Christ, you guys. I mean, just have bits of pastrami falling out of your mouth while you say these lines is what it fucking sounds like. It sounds like you should have a menthol cigarette in one hand, a pastrami sandwich in the other, and a cup of coffee on your desk while you're Gotta go to the deli. Lines. <laughs> What's with this guy? He's dressed like some kind of joke, some kind of crazy person. Forget it, Martinez. Oh, I know what he is. He's a freak. He's a freak. You're a freak. You know that? It's so much New York porn. It really is. It's just, it's so pulpy New York. And I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm from New York and that's how they sound in the Bronx, man. That's how, that's how they sound in the city in a lot of places. In Queens, Queens a little bit different. But but yeah, the, the Penguin especially. Colin Farrell is just almost invisible in this role. He's totally invisible. It's you like, it's one of the him. magic tricks in this thing. Because, I mean, it's just, that's just really great acting to be acting through, like, makeup like that, for one thing. It's a lot of makeup. He does better with it, I would say, than Paul Dano does acting through his mask. I think Paul Dano's best acting comes when they finally let him take the damn mask off. Well, I mean, his his voice was, his the, the voice of Riddler was really cool. It is good. It is good. I just remember how much I liked, liked it when they released the first trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's just really haunting and, you know, and creative. You know, I mean, they always have to up the ante with these villains because, like, it's like the preceding movie has already ro ro rose up the ante a bit. So they have to try mm -hmm, to find mm -hmm. something that's not grating, something that's super, super interesting and scary and make it work. You know, so 
I thought I thought I thought he was good. I mean, uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz is fantastic as Catwoman. I think always. Yeah. Um, she's Completely. no one's no one is still no one still has beaten Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, but still, like she she was great in the part. And I she thought, was, and that costume is so iconic by oh, this yeah. point. Michelle Pfeiffer's. It was funny. Rachel even mentioned she was like. I love her costume, but I hate that they paired it up with that bootleg mask. They should have mm. just, they should have had her wearing the bootleg mask through the first half of the movie and then given her an awesome mask for like the end. Like I'm going full fucking superhero. If you can do it, you can be Batman. I'm going to go full fucking Catwoman. And I don't know. We were, Rachel mentioned that and I agreed that we were both kind of waiting for her to like fucking put it on and lean into it because now you're super into, you know, Batman. Like now you should be inspired. I think we can find a justification in the story for another person putting on a goofy piece of headgear, but Hey, she didn't do it, but she's still fantastic in the movie. It'll just give us something to look forward to in the next one. Oh yeah. Then Pattinson was fantastic. It's, it's the first time I really got to see them play with the, the, the pain of Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, the, this had one of the best intros for Batman ever, because usually we, oh, ever since like the '89 Batman, you you like, and they've copied this in a whole bunch of other movies as well. Well, like you have this super powerful this guy, who you know is picking off a group of guys, and they're all being they're all being dragged into like the mist or the shadows. And with one guy left behind screaming, where are you? Where are you? And then, you know, Batman comes up and he's like, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm Batman. Or, <laughs> or whatever. You know, like. They you always sound like that. me playing with action figures with my nephew. Hey, Batman, <laughs> I'm right here. Thank you. You're going to punch me now? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> with Kung Fu grip. <laughs> no, but you're um, right. That was. But this one does it totally differently. Oh yeah, so like it just it just opens with this monologue again, going back to uh you know graphic novel Batman, you know like usually this these would be the the panels of the inner inner monologue going throughout the book, um but oh yeah 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 exactly he's doing the classic setup to the issue as his own monologue. Oh yeah, and he's just basically talking about like what he has done to instill fear all over Gotham because there's only one of him. You know, so like mm-hmm. lurking in every shadow, you don't know when he's gonna come out. And that was just so cool, man. Like just the way they staged the whole thing. I, I did I did think it was weird that he just happened to be in that subway broke down um office. <laughs> that but was, you know that's that the that's the point of the sequence though. Well it's not even convenient because we see like half a dozen other crimes happening where he's not there. Yeah. And so that is just, that's the one he's on today. You know, Mm -hmm. there are five other victims he couldn't help, but this, like the fear is supposed to be that this is the, I could end up in the alley where Batman is. I could go commit 10 crimes, 20 crimes and get away with, but over a long enough timeline, I might find myself in the same room as this guy. And I love how Batman has that code of like, he doesn't kill. And Mm -hmm. yet, permanently maiming, crippling, or disfiguring is totally fine. Um, As long as I don't pick up a gun, I'm good. Mm. But 
Batman maims this dude in this subway. And this is one of my favorite Batman fight sequences of any Batman movie, because what we have here is we have Matt Reeves very much setting up young Batman versus older Batman. All our other Batmans and the comic books actually shadows this pretty directly as well. As Batman reaches his, you know, prime of his abilities, the height of his powers, it's efficiency. He's going to have to go up and beat up criminals every single fucking night. So it's going to mm-hmm. be one or two judo chops and you're down grappling hook around the ankles and you're down, mm-hmm. suck somebody into the fucking shadows and spit them back out a moment later. Like mm-hmm. Batman <laughs> is taking three punches maximum to beat your ass when he's like <laughs> 35. But when at Batman is 22, he's just mad. And he's happy to have his hands on a criminal. And so you see Batman do the pop, pop, pop. And the guy falls. And you're like, okay, classic Batman. Three shots. That guy just dropped. And then he jumps on him. And just wailing, hammer fisting down on his face. And the blood is splattering up on his costume. And it's like, (laughs) now you know why criminals are afraid. You know, and the other ones are like, I do it to keep criminals afraid. And it's like, yeah, I guess they're kind of afraid. But like in this one, these guys are watching him basically kill this guy. If that criminal is alive at the end of that beating, then he's a tough son of a bitch, but he should be dead. And now he's looking up and he's looking at you and he's coming for you. So I don't think any movie previously has really conveyed that kind of direct malice and intent towards the criminal element. You see that Batman hates them and and is going to revel in beating their asses. And I love it. I love it. You just don't see that kind of Batman. And it's great. No brutal efficiency, just brutality. So good. I don't know. I love that shit, but I love horror movies. So when Batman's getting covered in fucking blood spray because he's beating a dude, yeah. you, you, you can't beat that. Yeah, I mean, just peppered throughout the whole movie, there's, there's so many great like little intense moments like that. I, I for one, liked when he was about to escape from all those cops. And, you know, we're used to Batman flying around the city. But this is the first kind of circumstance where he needed to get away that was huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that, he's that, bad at it. that huge gasp he has when he sees how high everything is was mm-hmm. really refreshing to see, even though, you know, I'm used to a Batman... That would never even be a factor in his reactions, you know, but that, that th- I thought that was cool. That's his growth because you even remarked how weird it was to watch Batman use doors and hallways. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very strange to watch Batman knock on the door and like, or walk down a hallway full of people in broad daylight or in, you know, in, in bright lights. Cause in every other Batman thing, he just shows up in the room you're in. And then it doesn't matter if you're on the 58th floor of a building, he just drops out the window and like, you know, Spider-Man's off with his grappling hook. And sometime had to be the first time when he jumped out the window. Now, you know, when we know him at 35, he just, he's jumping out of windows left and right. Who could give a fuck? But at 22, it's still legitimately scary. And Matt Reeves really captures that moment. Mm-hmm. You feel like he's growing into this. And and also to just even further that sense of dread is um, Michael uh, Giacchino basically ripping off the Imperial March. 
Did you hear it when you went and saw this movie? I, the moment I heard that, I couldn't not hear it for the whole rest of the movie. Was that his theme for the Batman is like the first four notes of the Imperial March. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it's the Imperial March blended with the theme from Jaws. Because the theme from Jaws is effective because there's no escaping it. And and if I'm going to, you know, do a little bit of musician talk for a little bit for, for my friends that are listening out there who play <laughs> a musical background, um, music is all about building and releasing tension. And so the the theme from Jaws is great because it never releases tension. It's just ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum and it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and it doesn't change and it doesn't stop and it's coming and it is pure tension and that's why that works uh the theme from from uh the rather uh you know Darth Vader's theme the um the imperial march, march from star march. wars builds a lot of tension but then it releases it when it gets into the minor chord phrasing. Mm-hmm. And this takes the first few notes and never gets to a minor chord. It just doubles back. So it's and you're waiting for the you're waiting for the minor notes to release some of that tension. And it just goes back to the beginning of the phrase. And it's like listening to the Imperial March on a record that's skipping. And it starts to eat into your brain and make you crazy if you hear it that way. And you're just like, just do something about the music. And that's great because they're building fucking tension. And I don't know if that's, I got to believe that's deliberate on his part. But I don't know if maybe he intended to torture musicians. (laughs) Because you're waiting. You're like, Give me the phrase. I know what comes next, but then it goes back to the beginning and you're like, it's like listening to a skipping record. So if, if the point of that music is to build tension, it builds tension and you feel this, you feel the panic and you feel like, you know, the walls closing in on trying to get down to that final layer of who's at the middle and stop this guy. And I think that all that culminates very nicely when they do ultimately catch the riddler i think that works and i think that should have been the end of the damn movie i really do i don't know what do you think all in all i I feel like it was just a fantastic experience that was a little bit too long they had they had an ending that felt like it was uh kind of put put in there because they didn't like the heart like the kind of the um slow burn thing that that uh, Reeves was doing. So, and I think they wanted one more big action set piece. I yeah. Think they felt like, cause the, the car chase in the rain is Badass. amazing. Yo, ask yourself and you never think about this. Um, but ask yourself, how many car chases do you see in the rain in movies? Not that much. Mm-hmm. And certainly not with that much stunt work. Um, it's really difficult to do well, and they kick the shit out of it. Uh, Batman's proto Batmobile is fun, does not work right, which is even more fun. But again, is it's just ominous in its armored brutality. Everything about this Batman is about just 
just hardcore armor, hardcore mm-hmm. offense, hardcore defense, everything taken to extremes. Mm-hmm. And that big set piece where he blows, you know, where, where they have exploding cars in that car chase with the penguin. Fantastic. Who is this guy? You know, I mean, <laughs> that notwithstanding, pretty awesome freaking scene. But then we get to the end of the movie. And mm-hmm. for me, this is where the logic of the movie fails. I get that Riddler thinks he and Batman are on the same side. They're taking out criminals. He sees the corrupt politicians who are corrupt. It's not that he thinks they're corrupt. They are corrupt. And the corrupt, and the corrupt police officers, he's killing all of those people in the name of justice. And so when Batman catches him and he refers to their plan, I'm just carrying out our plan. And Batman's like, I'm not fucking with you, buddy. You're a crazy person. I'm a hero. And Riddler sees what they do as identical and then gets really pissed off and being rejected by him. That should have just kind of been to the end of the movie because this bit where all of the Riddler's followers and minions get together to kill an entire amphitheater's worth of innocent people makes no fucking sense to me. I don't understand why that character chooses those victims. They even choose to kill the new mayor who completely agrees with the Riddler. (laughs) She is shutting down the Wayne Foundation fund. She says in the debate, this is a slush fund being used by crooked politicians. We need to shut this money down. Like he's, she literally wants what he wants and he still puts a bullet in her chest. So I don't understand the last 20 minutes of this movie. I just think that that scene where Batman realizes that this is what he's on the road to becoming and chooses to be something different, that it's a little too nuanced and that they needed a big action set piece where Batman goes from the symbol of vengeance to the symbol of hope in a beautifully lit and shot scenes. It's all gorgeous, but I think it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. So what, what did you think about the setup for the Joker for the next one? Well, I thought, you know, like they could take it or leave it. Um, it's very interesting. It was, uh, what's his name from the Eternals oh, and Yo- uh, Killing Yogan. the Sacred Deer? Yeah, yeah. Keyhogan. Okay. Um, Barry Keyhogan. And yeah, he, uh, he, I mean, I think he's a good actor. He's definitely got a weird fucking face. I like it as a, as a, like, um, uh, as a casting choice. As a casting choice, I really like it because he's got a, funny face and you can't quite put your finger on what makes his face so damn weird, but I fucking like it. So I thought it was fine. And yeah, he's in Arkham and there's going to be lots of different people in there. They're making a television show based on that version of Arkham Asylum. Uh, They're making a television show based on the penguin. They are doing the Catwoman TV show. Like (laughs) they're going to build on this universe. It's just going to be how many times does Batman Especially the excitement, um, the you know the kind of like sleeper energy of that John Cena vehicle. Oh yeah, we're gonna get some good DC television. I really think so. I really feel like it's coming. I feel like I feel like we're getting some good stuff up ahead coming from these guys. Hopefully, man, they we shouldn't have bed a lot. <laughs> now, if people want to get some good stuff from you, Arthur, where are they gonna find you, baby? You can find me on. Instagram, draw really awesome. Wow, all underscored. You know, by underscore I mean just underscore uh, underscore work. 
uh, you can check me out right there. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Draw Really Awesome Wow. Come say hi, uh, perhaps uh, subscribe, and get some other friends to subscribe as well. Alrighty, what about you, Tom Tommy? You can find me on Instagram at thomas.olton, spelled O-L-T-O-N, or you can find our Instagram at tales underscore two underscore admonish, just the way that Instagram does it. You can find our episodes on your favorite podcasting app of choice or YouTube. And if you would, please go to your app of choice, rate, review. It helps in the visibility of the show and helps other people who might enjoy similar types of programming to find shows like ours. And if you enjoy it, tell your friends to join you next time right here on... It's so late for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was nodding off a couple of times. Like right at the end. Right at the end you said something and you're trying to get the response out of me. I was just all I could do is just go in a general way. Go, just be a best man was good. <laughs>